So we're going to be starting a new series, God Among Us. Over these next couple of months, we're going to be unpacking um, what it means that God is in our midst. And this morning, uh, the title is Always the Plan. And uh, we're going to see that it's always been God's plan to be amongst his people. And so we're going to read a couple of verses, not going to uh, read a huge portion of Scripture, but we're going to read two passages, one from the Old Testament, one from the New. The first is from Leviticus chapter 26. Both of them will come up on the screen behind. So let's just read these together. These are profound pieces of Scripture. This is what it says in Leviticus chapter 26. This is what God says, I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. To the Corinthians, Paul says this, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. I don't know if you uh, uh, follow the news over Christmas, whether you uh, watch any news at all over Christmas. Maybe you're just watching too many Christmas films, Elf or whatever you watch. Um, but that there's, uh, on Christmas morning, the Queen goes, is based at Sandringham, or has been in recent years, and as a royal family on Christmas morning, they go to uh, St. Mary Magdalene Church. Uh, on uh, the estate. And uh, as the family go to church, the news cameras are there, and members of the public get to, some of them get to meet the Queen. They get to say hi to the Queen. So they enjoy the Queen's presence at Christmas, but uh, it's just at a great distance, albeit it's brief, but it's at a distance as well. For us, Christmas has a far richer message The one who gave the queen authority left the glory of heaven to become a man. That's what we were celebrating. That's what we should have been celebrating over the Christmas period. In Matthew uh, chapter 1, the angel says, They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And as we start this new year, this exciting new year, we're going to be exploring This theme, God among us as we worship him together. I want to say, though, it comes with a spiritual health warning. Grasping hold of this truth could change everything. Could change everything. We talk about God being present amongst us, but then act as if he weren't. It's never our fault, is it? We live in a society that's full of victims, who, people who don't take responsibility, such that those who are genuinely victims often get overlooked. And it all deflects from the truth that God is among us. John Piper explains the seriousness of sin like this. This is what he says. Sin is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverenced, the greatness of God not admired, the power of God not praised, the truth of God not sought, 
The wisdom of God not esteemed. The beauty of God not treasured. The goodness of God not savored. The faithfulness of God not trusted. The commandments of God not obeyed. The justice of God not respected. The wrath of God not feared. The grace of God not cherished. The presence of God not prized. The person of God not loved. That is sin. God wants us to hear his voice at the start of 2019. You see, God among us was always the plan. In the Garden of Eden, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. When Adam rebelled, relationship with God was broken. And it's affected the whole human race. We live in the light of that as a human race. And yet in an incredible display of mercy and grace, God set about restoring relationship because God's plan to be amongst us has never wavered. Not for a moment. We see it in the Old Testament as you read through the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel's a, 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 an unusual book of prophetic imagery, but it talks at the end of a city. One day there will be a city, and the name of that city will be the Lord is there. God's saying he wants to be amongst us. At the end of the New Testament in the book of Revelation, we read of the end of time, and this is what it says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Always the plan. Should come as no surprise to us. Because God has always existed in community. In Genesis, we see hints of what, as Christians, we refer to as the Trinity. One God, yet three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each with a distinct role, yet all remaining equally God. And they work in harmony, as Paul uh, describes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. For through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. God at work in our salvation, in saving us. Why, is, why does God want relationship with us? A.W. Tozer explains it like this. He explains God's desire to be among us. God wants us to worship him. God wants you to worship him. He created you to worship him. He doesn't need us, for he couldn't be a self-sufficient God and need anything or anybody. But he wants us. He wants us. He wants relationship with you and he wants relationship with me. When Adam sinned, it was God who cried out, Adam, where are you? It was God who was seeking us when we were lost. We've been singing about a God who looks for us, searches for us, hunts for us, won't let us go. We weren't looking for him. We're not crying out, God, where are you? We're not interested for the most part. It's God who seeks us out. He's a seeking God. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So throughout The Old Testament, we see God among his people. Here's the rub. God is awesome. 
God is holy. God is jealous. He never changes. We read in Hebrews that he's a consuming fire. To be in God's presence is an awesome but scary thing. God is God, and we are not. For our own good, we can be in God's presence, but we can't come too close. That's the message of the Old Testament. We can't come too near, and so there had to be someone who stood in the gap, and so there were priests that made it possible for the people to communicate with God. And yet, temporary solutions gave way to God's permanent answer. God sent his son, born of a woman. God sent his son, the perfect, spotless lamb of God, came to this earth to be born amongst us. Man experienced God among them. God in human flesh. God incarnate. God became man. The perfect man. And Jesus came to show us that there was a God in heaven who loved us and wanted us and was seeking us out. He came to demonstrate that God loves us. Demonstrate the lavish love of God. And so God became man. Jesus went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he paid the price for us. We've been singing about it this morning. That we might know relationship with God. Jesus paid our punishment on the cross for our wrongdoing, our rebellion, our living without reference to God. Jesus made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. And when Jesus returned to heaven, when he went back to be with his Father... He said, I'm sending my spirit. I'm sending the spirit. The spirit will come. There'll be a day when God's spirit dwells inside you. It fulfilled promises in the Old Testament that God would give us a new heart, a heart that was changed. God wouldn't be on the outside touching us occasionally. God would dwell amongst us, in us. And on the day of Pentecost, the church was born. The Holy Spirit fell. And there was a day where thousands of people came to faith, put their, had put their faith in Jesus, had been, were filled with the Spirit. Many others got saved on that day, and the church started to gather. They started to meet together. They started to draw together, to worship God together. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to worshiping God What God had done for them that provoked worship. And that's what God wants for us. And that's what we're going to be focusing on over these next couple of months. We're going to be focusing on this sense of gathering. What it means to be a gathering people and for God to be in our midst. And for it to impact our worship and what it looks like. Worship has so many Aspects, But we're going to be focusing on one in particular, which is our corporate gathering together. Why is it so important? And this morning, I want to give you uh, just an overview of some of the things that we're going to touch on. And we're going to touch on them in more detail in the weeks ahead. Here's the first thing that we're going to touch upon. If God is among us, it's all about God and not us. It's all about God. It's not about us. We do this cost-benefit analysis too easily. We weigh up the, the cost to us personally and then decide if there's enough benefit to us whether we're going to do something. 
And when we do that, we easily move God to the sidelines. In the Old Testament, we read of uh, the people of God. They were the people of God. God had brought them out of Egypt. He had created this people. They were people who were to be his people and were to follow him. He brought them out of slavery in Egypt. It was a terrible time for them. God brought them out and they started, he started to take them through the wilderness and he was taking them to a promised land, a place that would be flowing with milk and honey where everything was different, where God would be among them. And as God took them through the wilderness, very quickly um, they started to grumble. God started to provide supernatural food for them, manna from heaven. Every day there was manna. Six days a week there was this like little little. Uh, coriander sort of seeds that they used to take and they would grind and they'd make into bread. God provided for them water in the wilderness. And, but soon, very quickly, this supernatural food, God's presence was enough and they started to moan. And this is what they said. If only we had meat to eat. If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manner. So self-focused. Missing what God was doing. And God became angry. He gave them what they craved for. But ominously he warned them in Numbers. He said this, that they were rejecting the Lord who is among them. What they were doing, they were rejecting when they grumbled and they moaned and they complained. They were rejecting God who was among them. God is among us. We're in danger of failing to worship God when we focus on self. In Revelation, a New Testament example, Jesus assesses the church in Laodicea at the, in, in uh, Revelation and um, Revelation chapter 3, the church in Laodicea, it had been a great church at one point. It had been probably been planted by one of Paul's followers, a guy called Epaphras. Probably about 35 years or so before uh, Revelation was written. And in Revelation, Jesus prophetically speaks to the church in Laodicea and says this. He says, you've become consumerist and lukewarm. You've become self-focused. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and don't need a thing. Don't you realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? He challenges them to repent. And then he says this, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in and have fellowship. I'll eat with him. Jesus is outside his church. This church has become so consumerist, there's no room for Jesus. He wants to come in. He's knocking to come in, but they've become so self-focused. We live in a world that constantly tells us it's about us, about our needs being met. It so easily slips into the life of the church. It affects our worship. We don't sing the songs we like. We don't... We don't like the preacher one week, so we don't come. (laughs) We've had people here on Sunday who've come from other churches because they don't like the preacher who's preaching in their church. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too loud. It's too quiet. It's too long. I have to say, I I 
think I've heard anyone say it's too short. <laughs> In Job, we read the devil's accusation about Job was he only worships you because you put a hedge around him and do good things for him. And so God removes the hedge and says, you can, you can do what you like, but you can't take his life. And so some terrible things happen to Job, and Job proves his love for God because he worships him in the midst of stuff happening. All too often, we're shaped by circumstances, by those, things that happen to those around us, things that happen to us. We're to be a worshiping people because God is here amongst us. We're to be God-centric in a me-centric culture. Our focus should be God. Our question should be, is God being honored? Not whether I like this or I like that. Was Jesus exalted this morning? That should be our first question. Was he honored this morning? Then what I personally like and don't like matters less. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I no longer live. It, isn't, it doesn't matter what I feel, what I think. It's about him. I no longer live. That is a challenging scripture. It doesn't mean that we can't offer constructive feedback. Firstly, our first focus is, is God being honored? Is God being pleased? He deserves our worship. He deserves lives that honor him. Our songs to, are to be about him, who he is and what he does in our lives. It doesn't matter what we prefer or what we don't prefer because it's all about him. Our contributions are to be about him. And so if you come forward to bring a word on a Sunday and I'm at the front, I'm going to encourage, if I'm hosting the meeting, I'm going to encourage you to exalt him. So if there's, you've got a, a testimony or a story to share, I'm going to encourage you not to talk about where you were, whether you were in Sainsbury's or Tesco or, or whatever, because I want to get the nugget out. The nugget out is, what's it saying about Jesus? Is this pointing us to him? Our focus is Christ in our preaching. When we break bread, which we're going to do later, in our praying as we will tonight, come and pray, come and draw near to God, the God who hears our prayers. Come and do it with us together. In ever, every ministry that we're involved in as a church, it's all about him, whether it be cap, the soup service. If you were here at our Christmas meal, Jesus was front and center. Whether they listened or didn't listen, it's about Jesus. It's about him. Whether people pay attention or don't, it's always about him in our children's work, in our youth work. It's about God, not us. The second thing is it's about people, not me. We live in such an individualistic society. But by and large, the New Testament books, the New Testament letters, Paul's letters, whilst we apply them personally, that's okay, but while we do that most of the time, they're written to a people. They're written corporately. Hear Paul's brutal assessment of the church in Corinth. Listen to what he says in his letter to the church. Your meetings do more harm than good. Your meetings do more. Your gatherings 
do more harm than good. Why does he say that? He says it because there are divisions in the church. Groups of people who have a personal agenda. Their focus is on themselves. In this case, it's about what they can get. It's about feeding their own stomachs. They focus on themselves to the exclusion of others and push others out. Paul says his assessment is you are despising the church of God. See, we read a letter like the Corinthians and we relate it to ourselves personally. It's about us corporately. It's a corporate application. There is something powerful happens when we pray. It's great to pray privately. It's great to find time and space to go or be on your own and pray. God loves it. The Bible encourages us to do it. But there's something powerful about it when we gather together to pray. When we gather together to pray, God is here among us. The God of heaven and earth, the God who threw stars into space, the God who created you and me, who knew us when we were in our mother's womb, who spoke over us, spoke life into us. That God is here amongst us as we pray. Wow. Wow. There's something about confessing our sins to God. There's something about that we do it. We, we're to do it privately. We're to get on our own and confess our sin. But there's something as well about we confess our weaknesses and our frailties to one another. There's something happens when we corporately do that. There's something about authenticity that comes out. That's why you hear me sometimes tell stories about daft things I've done or mistakes I've made. Because I want you to know it's okay. Because I'm no different from you. Sometimes you elevate people on the stage and to be heroes. We're not heroes. We're followers of Jesus. We're just the same. There are no heroes. We're all followers of Jesus. We love him with all our hearts. And so something happens when we corporately come together, there's something about our children's work on our Sunday when our children gather together. And we facilitate that happening. I want to say we facilitate it. Some of you may not have children. You may not love children's work. But our children's work, we're, we're stretched at the seams. You'll see that room two is enclosed under the balcony. It's enclosed because we're struggling for space. Tory constantly need helpers. You might think, well, if I've got to serve in the children's work, I may as well not be here. You may not feel that's your, your bent. I want to say to you, I tell you, our children, when we're children to get, gather together, they meet God. Do you understand? God is in the midst with them. What a privilege it is we get to be amongst them. It's wonderful. It does us good. You've heard me tell the, use the illustration of the redwoods in California, northern California. They grow together, these trees, hundreds of feet high, grow close together. Their roots are only about 10 or 12 feet down, but their roots are all intermeshed. But they grow straight. They go straight because of their proximity, their relationship with one another. They force each other to grow straight towards the light. You don't see trees growing off like that very rarely because the, the trees around them force them to grow straight. S- little trees grow up straight because of the bigger trees around them. That's why we love our children's work. We want our children to grow up straight in a crooked world. We want them to know God's values and God's heart and God loves them. 
Where will they do that? Where will they get that? Corporately, they get it here. Individually, they get it at home in your family. People, not me. Thirdly, encounter, not entertainment. Why do we come together? What do we look for in the worship? Musicianship, we have got some great musicians. I want to tell you, we are blessed with musicians. Is it about the quality of the singing or sound? We have some excellent people on the tech desk who serve us so well. Excellence, I want to tell you, excellence is to be applauded and it honors God. Yet it's more than entertainment and appreciation of excellence. God is among us. God is among us. He's, if he's here, then he wants us to experience the reality of his presence. We heard it in the worship. David saying, taste and see. God is a God to be experienced. It's experiential. It's not head knowledge. It's more than that. It's taste and see. Experience the living God. When you come amongst us, God is in the house. Not the building amongst his people. It's not the building, it's the people. God is amongst us. And so there are times when I hear people say, I came in and in the worship, I found myself weeping and I didn't know why. I was crying, I didn't know why. I'll tell you why that is, it's because God's here. There are moments when you think, how did he know that? When he talked about that, has he been reading my mail? No. God's in the house. God's here. Sometimes when we're preaching, God is on a phrase or a sentence in a moment. It just seems to carry significance. And in those moments, listening online is a, is a good second best, but it's second best. There's a phrase we have in Wales. It's an I was there moment. That's why we gather. We gather together because God's here. And there will be I was there moments. Were you there the day that God We long for more days like that. We come to hear his voice, experience his presence and be impacted by his power. God speaks through his word being read or preached, through prophecy. That's God speaking now words into our lives. Through the Holy Spirit giving wisdom to others. When we gather together the power of Jesus, the Lord Jesus is present. Sometimes it's for healing the sick. May we see more of that in these days. The presence of Jesus, the power of Jesus to heal the sick. We long for it. We long for it. Sometimes the presence of Jesus is present for correction. Sometimes we need correcting to grow straight because we're going off a a kilter. There were days in the early church when people were afraid to join them. They were afraid to join them because the presence of God was awesome and scary. And do you know what the early church didn't do? They didn't didn't go, oh wow, people aren't coming, so we'll tone it down a bit. They weren't bothered about being too visitor friendly. They valued above everything else the presence of God. And God would bring in who God would bring in. They wanted more of his presence, not less of his presence. We're not going to dial down in the church being a charismatic church. We want the presence of the living God amongst us. God's Holy Spirit amongst us week by week, Sunday by Sunday. We're not going to cut back on Holy Spirit activity. 
We ought to expect those coming in, unbelievers or not, to recognize that God is in this place. Fourthly, it's about giving, not getting. Whilst it's not about us, we do have a part to play. It's never about what I get, it's about what I give. It's about what I get to give. Jesus himself said, we're told in Acts chapter 20, it's better to give than to receive. Is it? It is. It's better to give than to receive. It's always true. And we're to gather together with a readiness to give. All of us have something to bring. You may be sitting there thinking, oh, I've got nothing to bring. It's a lie. It's a lie. You have something to bring. You have your time. You have your gifts. Holy Spirit gifts that God's given you. You have the fruits of the Spirit that you can bring in amongst us. You need to bring them. We need them. You have your gifts. You have your your finances. You can give to God. You get to give to God. The, The great thing is we get to give to God because He's amongst us. Because he's here. Freely we receive, so freely we give, Jesus said in Matthew 10. Do you come ready and expectant Sunday by Sunday? Or do you come relying on other people to give stuff? Do you come ready to bring? We need to be those who are filled with the Spirit. We need to, that's why we need to be filled with the Spirit every day. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. We need to be daily filled with the Spirit so that we can bring all that God wants us to bring. As we gather together, we're to, to do that. Do we come ready and expectant? Do we come asking, seeking, knocking? God, give me something for today. There's not going to be space at the front for everybody to share a scripture reading or a prophecy. But we come ready. We come prepared. We don't come walk through the door. We come honor God. We come. Let me encourage you about your timekeeping. It's a challenge, isn't it, in Winchester? Let me encourage you to think about, can I come a little bit earlier? Because we're niggered as we move towards two sites. We're going to need to be on time. We need to have a good attitude. We need to, when we do stuff, we need to be prepared to get some feedback as well. Because we want to be sharper in God. We want to be more fruitful as individuals and corporately. It's about giving, not getting. And lastly, it's about gathering, not wandering. We are a people who gather to God to please Him, to honor Him. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. He's here today. He is here amongst us by his Spirit. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Do you get that? Jesus is in this place by his Spirit. You see, we live in a virtual age. Virtual friends, virtual community, virtual relationships, virtual wealth. We're gathering together to God. Let's not become a virtual church. Let's not be complacent or lazy. Let's not settle for virtual meetings. You can listen to some great preaching online. You can listen to the best worship online. 
But I tell you, it's not church. It's not church. I hear people talking about pastor this as if he's their pastor, someone they listen to online. He's not your pastor. He may be a great preacher and he may bring the word of God and be helpful to you, but it's not church. We gather together to God, God in the midst, God amongst us. We gather to honor God. We're going to soon be going to two sites, north and central. We're going to be having a meeting here. We're going to be having a meeting in Kingsworthy. I'm going to encourage you. What are you going to do? What are you going to be part of? Annie and I are going to be committed to Hope North for the first three months. So we're going to be based there. So you're not going to see me necessarily every week. Why are we doing that? It's because... We're one church. And when we're there, God's amongst us. And when we're over there and not here, God's here amongst you. God in amongst his people. Let me encourage you, where are you going to go? Talk to James and Alice. Some of you need to come and be part of Hope North. Be part of what God is going to do there. We're one church, two Sunday venues. We're just, we're going multi-site. What part are you going to play? What are you going to bring? What are you going to do? What does God want you to do? See, God among us, it was ever the plan. It still is the plan. It will always be the plan. He will never change his plan, so we need to change our plans. Because God has more for us. The best is yet to come. It was Charles Finney, the revivalist preacher, who said this. If the presence of God is in the church, the church will draw the world in. If the presence of God is not in the church, the world will draw the church out. We are a people who seek God's presence. This year, 2019, let's be a people who pursue the presence of God. I'm going to finish with this. This won't come up on the screen behind us. A great book. It's one of the first Christian books I ever read. A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God. I tell you, it's done me good over the years, over many, many years. This is what it says. A spiritual kingdom lies all about us, enclosing us, embracing us, all together within reach of our inner selves, waiting for us to recognize it. God himself is here waiting our response to his presence. This eternal world will come alive to us the moment we begin to reckon upon its reality. Let's let 2019 be a year where we are seeking the presence of God, aware of his presence amongst us, lifting our eyes, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're going to stand together. I'm going to pray. James and the musicians are going to come out. In fact, just stay, you just stay seated while I pray. I'm just going to pray 
for us this year. And if this is your heart cry, I want you to be saying amen in your heart. So be it. Let it come to pass. Father, we come before you, the living God. You are the living God. You are alive. Father, we have never seen you, but we love you. We believe in you. We believe that you are great and awesome and holy and mighty. But we believe that you're our Father and that you love us and you're for us. And that you have chosen to come amongst us. And that you have sent your Son to save us. Father, we are so grateful for Jesus that he has saved us. Our sin, our past is dealt with. We are free We are people who can worship you and know you. And Father, this year, we want to know you. We want to pursue your presence. We want to know you amongst us. God among us. God among his people. Father, we say, would you come in increasing measure in these days? Come and presence yourself amongst us. May we know the power of God amongst us. May we know the awe of God amongst us. May our hearts be drawn after you to love you more. God, be amongst us as we corporately gather. Father, we say we love you, we worship you, we honor you, we exalt you. There is none like you. Just take this moment in your heart, just take this moment in your heart to speak, talk to God, say to him, you might want to say it out loud, but you might want to say it under your breath. You might want to say it inside, God, I want you this year. This year, I want to pursue you. It's about you, not me. I want more of you in my life. I want to know the reality of you in my life. Just take a few moments to do that.